This is the Morning Rush. WCMD Studio high atop Industrial Boulevard. That coffee good, Mike? That was that was uh, well, an, an impressive. Uh, first of all, they, they we forgot to measure yesterday. Oh, that's right, we did. We're at least ten feet up. And second of all, uh, yeah, this is pretty good coffee. I got it sheets. It's it's ground. Oh yes, the freshly uh, ground. Yeah, well, stuff. I didn't like that at first because I'm old. <laughs> Like, what do you mean at your 10? <laughs> and so I I push the button and everything. And it's like, and it says, no, it's not milk. It's the foam. Oh, it's the foam. That's right. That's right. Which can but be it, a little it's, bit. It's very good. It is good. It is good. It is I'm just, good. you know, I, like you, took a while to warm up to that. Cut. Usually you just walk in, you, you know, it's already made. You pour it in, boom, you're done. Since I was running late, I didn't really have any time to negotiate. Oh, I got you. So yeah. it was just getting out. I want the old coffee. Well, no, you can't have that. But yeah, it's very good. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's with quite that. all right. That's quite all right. I understand because coffee is like our, our life's blood here at six oh three. This in the hour, yes. it is. Uh, where else? Oh yeah, we're on. You know where we're at? Southside, Queen City, all that stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's just we'll move on. <laughs> Coming up, block on, away from Grandma's house. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, the man you just heard right there, the venerable one, Mike Burke, mm. back in the saddle today. Yes. Pirates and Brewers played a crazy game last night in Milwaukee. We'll definitely get to that. Uh, haven't we seen this before from the Lakers? A lot of names on a roster. Uh, last time it happened, didn't quite work out the way they wanted it to. We'll talk about that. And could we see two Power Five conferences merge hmm. after Oklahoma and Texas uh, move on to the SEC? All that and more coming up in the next two hours of the show. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off this Wednesday hump day uh, morning. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. You're saying every single day. If you don't know them by now, you just simply haven't been paying attention. Or listening, for that matter. On Twitter, at WCMD Morning Rush. That's the show page. My page, at Rush Tony C. Again, that's the letter C, not the word. Mike's page, at Mike Burke uh, MDT. Which, in case you don't know, stands for Maryland Terps. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the only thing I could come up with. Uh, fair enough. Fair. I, I see you are. It used to be CTN. That's right. Or Cumberland, Cumberland Times, Times News. News. That's right. I didn't feel it was appropriate for me to. Tweeting profanity under the <laughs> Cumberland Times News CTN. That's fair enough. Uh, yeah, because I was still a good trooper when I left there. I don't care if I tweet profanity under my alma mater's name. Yeah, fair enough. Fair <laughs> <laughs> Newspapers off limits. <laughs> that's right. University. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, Facebook page at WCMD Cumberland Radio. Uh, Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance on this Wednesday, 301-759-2628. Do not be like the person who called yesterday at 755 because we cannot take your call that late in the hour because we always go to break at five minutes till the hour. Of course, yesterday at 755, the show was over. Yes, I was home by 8 o'clock. Really? Yes. So you were out here pretty fast yesterday. You picked up your stuff and you were gone. I had to finish a column. There you go, which is up, by the way, and we'll talk about that here in just a bit as well. Okay. So if you do call the show and you are encouraged to do so, do not call 
at five minutes till the hour because we can't take the call. We just can't. We got to pay the bills with the spots, as we say in the business. Actually, it would probably be best if anybody called before 745. I'll take that. Now, we'll, we can't. 746. We 740. Can we'll squeeze one in. But, yeah, 745, that's, that's, a good, that's a good number. That's a good number. And, of course, our podcast page, if you missed yesterday's show or any show, we put every show on our podcast page uh, on the free Podbean app. Just uh, download the app to your phone or tablet and uh, go back and check out any pre- – and yesterday, Mike and I were talking. Yesterday I was really, I thought, personally speaking, one of the best shows we've ever done. Oh, we had a lot of fun, didn't we? It was a fun show. It was just – it wasn't, as we would say, structured. <laughs> no, not at all. It was just two hours of just some random sports jawboning. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed yesterday. I did show. too. All that was missing was the tap. That's right. Oh man, wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Well, no, it wouldn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> but we wouldn't make it to seven forty-five if the, there was a tap in this is studio. <laughs> the spirit of the jocularity, though, was the same. That's true. Father Mulcahy was there. So get involved on today's show. It is highly encouraged. Uh, you, by the way, are Natalie clad today in your Ravens purple. I am. Representing uh, the Ravens. Yes, a Harbs. And it was also the first shirt on top of the pile. Well, there you go. And there as you, go. you know, uh, in the 4 o'clock hour, one cannot be too picky. This is true, which is why I wear the same three shirts all the time. Usually in that hour, I'm throwing the shirt on the floor. Right, not on my way to the bed. <laughs> not picking it up and putting it on to go. So I understand that completely. All yes. right, <laughs> more than anybody could possibly. You do. I understand. Uh, let's kick off today's show, Mike. As we kick off every show with a rock around the region. I want to rock. And uh, we start with Major League Baseball, where the Pirates and Brewers went to extra innings last night in Milwaukee. There's a little soft liner in the center field, a base hit. This will score a couple. On a two-strike pitch, Brian Reynolds scores a couple more, and the Pirates take an 8-5 lead. Greg Brown, the call on the Pirates Radio Network. The Pirates score three runs in a tenth to beat the Brew Crew 8-5. All of that came after the Pirates were no-hit through six innings mm. and then rallied uh, to win a game in extra innings. We'll talk about more of uh, this game here in just a bit. Uh, Gregory Polanco had himself a night. Polanco broke up the no-hitter, then pulled back a game-winning homer in the ninth, and then singled home the go-ahead run in the tenth. So he finally did something this season, all in one game. Uh, Hoy Parks, a second career hit. Uh, Pirates got him from the Yankees at the trade deadline was a three-run double that put the Bucks ahead of 5-4 in that seventh inning. Uh, elsewhere, uh, speaking of the Yankees, uh, they put a beating on the Orioles in the Bronx. High fly ball, deep right field, Santander back, track, wall, see ya! A three-run home run for Giancarlo Stanton, and the Yankees lead 9-0. Drill deep to right field. Going back, Hayes on the track at the wall. See ya. Lucky 13. Yankees up 13 to 1. Well, it's kind of feel-good night for everybody. And Aaron Judge just put 21 to 22 in the home run column. Yeah, feel-good night for everybody but the yeah. Orioles. <laughs> the calls on the Yes Network. 13 to 1 the final Yankees win. Uh, 13 runs the most they have scored all season. Six starters had at least two hits uh, for New York. 
now, did you watch the game at all last night, Mike? Did you did uh, partake? Not. You did not. Okay. Uh, you are my eyes. Uh, I was. I had every intention to. I wish I had seen the Pirates game. I'm glad I missed the Orioles game, but <laughs> I got company last night. Gotcha. And we were catching up with uh, my cousin stopped by, and uh, I felt that was more important to yeah. you visit didn't, with her. You didn't miss much. Well, I, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it, actually, it was on in the kitchen. I was keeping an eye on it, so no, I wasn't. You fair know, enough, fair pine, enough. Pining to be there. <laughs> Luis Gill uh, making an emergency start in place of Garrett Cole, who's on the COVID list. Uh-huh. Uh, pitched six scoreless innings in his major league debut uh, for the Yanks. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle had an RBI double for the O's, uh, only run of the game. Third loss this season for Baltimore of 12 or more runs. That's the most in the American League. And in D.C. last night, the Phillies hit four home runs against the Nationals, including one uh, from an old friend. One and two. That ball's hit out toward left center field. It's hit well. Stevenson's going back. Forget about it. It is gone. A long home run for Bryce Harper. He goes the opposite way against his former team. It's the fifth one this year against the Nationals. It's a 5-2 game, and he's kind of taken a curly route around the bases. The call on NBC Sports Philadelphia, not only did he take a curly route, he also blew kisses to the crowd. After he touched home plate, I don't know. It, there were a lot of Phillies fans in attendance. Uh, maybe that was maybe direct, that was directed just towards them. Harper's solo shot in the eighth proved to be the game winner as the Phillies beat the Nats five uh, four. Gene Segura, a JT Real Muto, and Ronald Torres also went yard for Philly. Uh, Josh Bell hit a two run homer for Washington. Phillies, by the way, have won three straight. They are game over five hundred. And now just a game and a half behind the Mets for first place in the NL East because the Mets lost again to the Marlins Man. last night. This is going to go down and Mets them because, I mean, they had so many opportunities to put this division away. True, true. Uh, you know, within the last couple months, and they just haven't. They haven't. And they even and they actually added at the deadline. They brought uh, Javi Baez in. And, you know, of course, DeGrom, he's kind of – he's iffy. Right. Uh, you know, without him, it's obviously a big blow. He's still dealing with the, some injury issues. But uh, we've said it several times already. I thought the NL East would be the best division in baseball, and it's just com- the complete opposite. Yeah. And you're right. The Mets have had opportunity after opportunity to take over, and they just don't want it. Uh, so and, here come the Phillies. I mean, they've kept the Nationals just <laughs> right. semi-alive, <laughs> right. you know? It's true. It's true. But, here, but you're right. Here come the Phillies, yep. so we'll see. Uh, and in high school golf, yes, high school golf already underway. Hmm. First match uh, of the season yesterday, Kaiser uh, beat Moorfield, Frankfurt, and Petersburg at Valley View. Uh, Kaiser's Drew Matlick led all golfers with a 37 as the Golden Tornado shot a team a score of 173. Uh, Moorfield finished 14 shots off the pace with a 187. J.J. Carr shot a 41 for the Jackets. Frankfurt was third. Uh, led by Bryson Lane's uh, 44, and Petersburg was fourth, led by John Minnick's 52. And uh, that is your rock around the region. Hard to believe, what is today, August 4th? Yes. Yeah. That uh, there are official high school sports uh, underway already. Well, it it is, but it isn't because, as we were discussing off the air, we've been doing this so long. And, you know, uh, thankfully, you know, I think – Golf is uh, perfect to start 
early. And, True. Uh, I just will say that it doesn't make me miss anything that I used to do for 36 <laughs> years because uh, this is, is as involved as I want to be. I hear you. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And it's it's really hard to fit, you know. I don't have to do football previews. You don't oh have to goodness. do football previews. I hated. I look. I'll be honest. I hated the football preview. No kidding. I couldn't. And the Times News. Uh, I always thought, and I'm not sitting there blowing smoke up, whatever. You know, did a great job with the, with the previews. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was a big deal for us. And uh, I, those guys were fantastic. I worked with the greatest guys in the world for 36 years. And had the greatest staff and support, and yeah, we we took a lot of pride in that uh, preview section, and then the books. We went to the the the, the smaller books right, for right. each team, which was kind of nice. But man, poor old Jeff Landis had they were hard to, to put together. You know, he was on the desk, and uh, uh, yeah, we took a lot of pride in him, and and then after they were out, you know, you just had him as a resource, right? You know, that's where I, I the entire year. Yeah, and I got the most out of it was to use it for work. And, and when we when we would uh, go out on the you know different places and the different press boxes in the area, and we you know we see other people with the media using it. Yeah, you know, we got a chuckle out sure. of that. You know, but it also made us feel pretty good that you know we were able to put that out there. And you know, work as you know, working in a newspaper is is a very rewarding thing, but it's very demanding. Absolutely, and, and you guys obviously had a much bigger area to cover than I did. Well, that I thought, in fairness, that was always our biggest downfall. We tried to be uh, everything to everybody, and that's just impossible. Right. And sometimes I think you diminish what you do best when you try and do that. But once again, True. nobody obeys my commands. As you prove every morning in here, <laughs> and, and that's but, not true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, you know, you, you know, you want circulation. You you want people to want to pick up the paper and read it. And uh, I tell you, for, for the most part, we were always able to do that. So it was yeah. it was it was it was a great way to make a living. I'm I'm just glad it's behind me. That's over. Absolutely, uh, I'll never do newspaper again yeah. unless I absolutely have to. Uh, for reasons that I don't even want to get into. But uh, I know a lot of people look forward to the football previews, the high school football previews. Uh-huh. is always a big deal. Again, I never really stretched that far outside of, well, Frankfurt and Kaiser, obviously. Oh, yeah. And then Hampshire was always in there as well. Sure. But, you know, um, then we briefly touched on other. But, you know, of course, uh, I didn't have the legions at my command that you did. Uh, at the Times News, I had maybe one person <laughs> helping me. At the news trips, we really couldn't expand as much. But here's the thing, and people may not know how it works, and it generally works in newspaper with anything, any kind of special insert, preview, call mm-hmm. it what you want. And I guess it kind of works that way in radio to an extent, but may- mainly in newspaper, which would drove me crazy, is that they would sell it first. Yes. And then say, here, fill it. And so we really didn't have much control over whether it was going to be a 12-page preview, an 18-page mm-hmm. preview, a 24. We didn't know that until all the ads came back. And that made it frustrating because sometimes you just had to really stretch to you know fill a 24-page preview that you have maybe 18 pages of information for. Big pictures. 
bitch. That's right, big bitch. But, and a lot of uh, AP stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, well, but then here's what's even better is like when the middle of production when they come in and say, "Hey, you got to stick an ad on this page." Oh, that's that was always but fun. I, yeah. I've already I've already stuck copy on that page. Right. Well, you have to take it off. Yeah, and they don't care. Uh-uh. Yeah, as long as the ad, the well, ad always money. it's money. It's, you know, and money. That's why you're know. doing it. That's right. I mean, we, right. we we can talk noble and. Uh, you know, we're here out all the news that's fit to print and yada yada. It's money. It's money. That's money. Cha ching. <laughs> that was always fun. And it, it wasn't even just sports. It, it could be anything at the oh, paper. Yeah. No question. Anybody would just have an idea of, hey, why don't we do this and put this insert in there? Hey, we had an idea to cover this event. Oh, by the way, we already sold it. So here, now you gotta figure out a way to fill it up. Don't miss those days. At all. I, I loved every second of it until one day I said, I don't love it anymore, and that was that. There you go. That's the best thing to do. That's the best thing to do. You know, rather just move on than sit and, for lack of a better phrase or term, rot away somewhere where you don't want to be. Well, no, I didn't want to be carried out of that building. Now I don't care <laughs> if I'm carried out of a tavern. But... <laughs> Something tells me that maybe that may have occurred. At a uh, time or two. No, it has no, for me. It, it has not, but has I'm sure it will. It has for me. Oh, course, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course, I, with me a couple of times is because I you know, got into a little, you know, fisticuffs. No kidding. Yes. Back in my, back in my younger days. My way younger days. Pug C. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I never wanted to get into a scrap when I went out, but sometimes where I grew up, you just. Uh, got you. It was inevitable. It's just the way it is. Well, I've been lucky. Yeah. I, I've always been at make love, not war. There you go. I'm I'm with that 100%. So last night, this Pirates-Brewers game uh, was kind of a bonkers game. And and you always talk about how baseball can be goofy in a good way. You just never know what you're going to see from one game to the next, which is why you predicted the Pirates taking two or three from the Giants last night. That's right, by the way. I thought you forgot. No, I did not forget. Although you thought maybe they'd sweep, but two out of three from the Giants is still pretty good. No, I impressive. said sweep question, question mark. Question mark. Right, right. Which I thought there was no way that the Giants are so good. But that's what baseball does. And sports in general just gives you something that maybe you may have not seen before or haven't seen in a while. Well, last night, uh, Brewer starter Adrian Hauser was absolutely cruising. He retired the first nine batters. Ball never left the infield. He's a sinker ball pitcher, ground ball, ground ball, ground ball. Took a no-hitter into the seventh inning. But his pitch count was getting up there. Uh, he walked the first batter he saw in the seventh, then got a pop-out. Uh, then he was at 104 pitches. Which, it was understandable that Craig mm-hmm. Council, the manager, was like, all right, you're done. You know, we got a whole you know, half season to play here. 104 pitches, whatever. So, Council goes to the bullpen, which, by the way, is pretty darn good. So Daniel Norris comes in and immediately blows the no-hitter. First batter he faces is Polanco. He singles. No-hitter's gone. Right. Then the Pirates go on to score five runs in the inning to go up 5-4. They were down 4 nothing. No hit. And AT&T Sports kept on showing uh, Hauser in the dugout. Mm-hmm. And you could tell. I mean, he was... Trying to hide his emotion because right. he didn't want to show his teammates up. But, boy, he was a little bit PO'd that he walks off the field with a no-hitter, and then all of a sudden he gets a no decision. Right. Well, he didn't get the loss, but you're right. Right, right. And then, you know, 
Polanco in the ninth inning, because the Brewers did come back to tie at 5-5. Polanco robs uh, Eduardo Escobar, who's been fantastic in the brief time uh-huh. with Milwaukee. Escobar just launches a shot to right field. Polanco goes up over the fence, pulls a home run. It would have been a game-winning walk-off home run. Mm-hmm. And he pulls it back, and he saves the game. And then in the 10th inning, Polanco singles the go-ahead run in. They score three, and they win the game. So you go from being no hit, and, re- and they, were, they weren't even close to getting a hit right. in the first six innings. They just they look like the Pirates look most of the time, just feeble offensively. <laughs> they go from getting no hit to scoring five runs and winning an extra inning. Just one of those games that if you left early or turn it off early, you wake up today going, "What happened? How, yeah. how did that happen?" You know, and that's what baseball does or sports in general, I guess. Well, and, and well, it's like the, the Nationals game last night, yesterday when I sat down here, I thought the Nationals had won that game. Oh, that's right. That's right. You know, it was three but, two. Yeah. But this is just further testament as to uh, that Rob Manford is an idiot. <laughs> uh, because there's no clock in baseball. Right. You know, it's right. like Earl, Earl Weaver said it best. It was after a, a loss to the Pirates in the World Series. You know, and they said, you know, you came back, I think it was 71. Roger Angel asked him, you know, you you come back to Baltimore with a two zero lead, da 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 da, or maybe it was seventy nine. They came with a, a they had a three one lead, and he said, you know, that's the thing, and you you don't run the ball under the line to kill the clock. Right. You have to throw the ball over the damn plate and give the other that's man right. his chance. Right. That's why baseball is the greatest game in the world, and you know, in that in that same vein. I, I put golf and tennis there because mm, okay. you have to play out the, That's right. every hole. You have to play every point. There's no clock to save you. That's right. And in golf, you could have a three-stroke lead with three holes left, but guess what? Yep. you got to play those three holes. So, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say I don't love football right. and basketball. But, and again, like I said, thanks to my gambler friends, I've picked up a lot of soccer over the <laughs> summer. But uh, – you know, there's no clock in baseball, and it's you have to. It's 27 outs, right? And, right. And I even I had to go to bed. I couldn't watch the rest of the game. Uh, little C was up watching it, and after the Pirates took the lead, I'm like, you know what? It's time to go to bed because I don't want to sit here and watch them blow it after they got right. the lead. Yeah, then you- which they almost did because the Brewers tied it. If it wasn't for Polanco in that catch, the Brewers would have walked it off in the ninth. Hopefully, if I'm awake this afternoon. You know, sometimes they show last night's game right. in the afternoon. The, the re-air. Yeah, right. I'll, right. I'll have to watch that. Yeah, it was so it was a good, it was a terrible first six innings for the Pirates. Yeah, I watched the last four, and then watched the last four, and it was funny <laughs> because, uh, and I don't know where he my son got this from. I don't know if he got it from me or it was just the way he is. After Polanco came up and got that single, he's like, "Well, there's no reason to watch this game now." Because, of, again, Pirates are losing 4 nothing. He wanted to see a no-hitter, even though it was against his favorite team. All right. You know, when it gets that I late. I get that. Yeah, when it gets la- late in the game, going into the seventh, because at that point, I mean, we never thought Pirates would come back and, you know, win that game, you know, let them score five runs in that seventh. And he was like, well, there's no reason to watch it now. But we kept it on anyway. And then Hoy Park comes up, and then, you know, nice double down the right field line and clear the bases. And before you know it, they have the lead. 
Uh, I did see something during the telecast last night that reminded me of what we talked about yesterday. Okay. And if you do watch the re-air, look out for this cat. There was a Brewers fan at the game mm. wearing what looked like one of those uh, bucket hats. You know uh-huh. what I'm talking about? Yeah. But it was knitted, like crocheted oh, kind of. Oh, really? And all around the middle of the hat were real flattened out Schlitz cans. <laughs> It was such a glorious lid. The beer that made Milwaukee. That's right. We talked about it yesterday. <laughs> and it was just funny how we, you know, we were mentioning, you know, Schlitz and beer during the show. And here's this old old guy with his knitted bucket cap. That's cool. With the Schlitz cans all around it. It was it was wonderful. I, I, I want one of those. I hope it's on. I want to say uh they showed this dude. It was later, probably sixth, seventh inning. Okay. Because for some reason they were just showing hats in the stands. Oh, okay. You know, and of course. You can't pass up that one. Uh, another old fella had a fedora on, which I always think is a good look. Maybe we should oh, yeah. bring the fedora back. I, yeah, but I, but I agree, but I, I I can't wear hats. Not a hat guy? No? Ever I, been a ball cap kind of? Well, you know, sometimes. but Maybe a knitted, a crocheted bucket hat. Maybe we can get you one of those. Well, you with know With the what? Schlitz cans. I, your favorite beer? <laughs> At this stage of my life, my, Why not? my career, my romance career, sure. <laughs> Might help. Which we won't get into at this stage in the morning. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe later on. Yeah, let's not get into it all. <laughs> <laughs> Off the air, perhaps. All right, uh, time for a break. Got news and uh, weather coming up. And then, uh, well, more of uh, some serious sports jawboning as the rush rolls on. Stick around. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Pirates go from being no hit through six innings to winning the game in ten innings. Eight to five. Uh, Orioles, they weren't even close in their game. No. They lost 13 to one to the Bronx Bombers. Thank God my cousin stopped by the house. <laughs> Thank God for small favors. You know, when small I, saw favors. Her, I saw it was her outside the door, I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I know you did. The hell, she won. No, I'm trying you to didn't. look at the ball game here. <laughs> I've officially become an old guy when I say look at the ball game. And so, thank God she was there. Actually, it was a wonderful visit. Very nice. Very much better than the actual game itself, I can imagine. And then the Nationals uh, just got tortured by Bryce Harper uh, again. Well, I like to see that. What what the you know? I remember when uh, Reggie Jackson was with the Orioles. In 1976. Which not many people remember that, oh, by the way, yeah. that he was actually a member of the Orioles. I know when people see that on social media, they think it's been photoshopped. Right, right. But uh, I can uh, verify that he, Reginald, Sir Reginald, was there for <laughs> almost a year. He actually, he cost him the, the damn division title by holding out a month. Oh. He held out the month of April. He shows up like the first week of May, he ends up hitting – 27 home right. runs anyway. He 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 was something to sure. see. But uh, the next year when he came back as a free agent, he, well, he signed with the Yankees, and the first game back in Baltimore we went to, and uh, they had these flyers they handed to everybody as they came in. They said, when Reggie comes to the plate, don't boo him. Just don't make a sound. Oh. Because that will bother him. And oh, that's that's pretty – Interesting. It, well, Reggie has the famous line, they don't boo nobodies, you know? And right, uh, right. That's, that's a fair point. They should do that to Bryce Harper sometime in D.C. But, <laughs> Just don't do it either. But, yeah, uh, it, they did it for the first couple batters. I mean, it wasn't, you, you know, here pin drop silent. Right, but right. 
it was it, it, you could tell it annoyed him. You know, just like, hey, I'm down here. Right. Yeah, yeah, we know, <laughs> and we don't care. Yeah, Harper, uh, five home runs against the Nationals this season, um, which I like. I don't know how much that goes into it because. Like if you're playing your old team in football or basketball, I mean, you, you can obviously push yourself a little bit harder. There's a little more emotion involved. I don't know if that necessarily makes you hit more home runs. I don't know how it works into it, but he just seems to have a knack of uh, playing his old team. And really, I don't know why there would be any kind of animosity because he left. They didn't really, and they won the World Series after he right. Exactly. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what he, he just has one of those personalities. I mean, look, uh, obviously, like a cheese grater. He, yeah, he's a great player, obviously, and, and a great talent. I don't know if he's a great. I mean, I, I guess you'd have to say he's a great talent. I, I'm not ready to say he's a great player. No, yet. no, neither am I. And like I said, I, I think Soto is is going to be a great player. I see things in Soto that I never saw. I, I I don't want to say Bryce Harper's one dimensional because he's not, but he he I I it just wasn't a loss for the Nationals to me because of their farm system, and uh, as proven by the World Series title they won the year after he right. left, and he he is definitely a the way people I think view him or their attitudes towards him is definitely a product of all the hype that followed him into the league. That exactly. if he, that if he we, wasn't this 55, 60 home run guy a year, it was hard, and I guess in, in a way that's unfair to him. Although he did he did carry the cockiness and the brashness that came along with it. Yeah. So he, in some cases he backed it up, in some cases he doesn't. You're right, he's a very good player, but he's not great. And I, I think, and of course we always like to play this little game when we talk sports, if his career ended today, is he a Hall of Famer? Oh no, not yet. And I don't. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think he's played long enough for one thing. Well, but even if you take his numbers now and just like you know push him out another four or five years, I don't. I don't know if he is or not. I, he Very doesn't good, strike me great. as one. But then again, you know it, what? What Hall of Fame voting is based on? Not how you measure with the all-time greats, but your particular era, right? So. Yeah, and I still don't think he is. Not yet. But it's not yet. He's there's still time. I think he only. He, I say only. He has uh, 17 home runs this year. Last night was his 17th, which you would think a, a player of his stature, hype, whatever you want to call it, should be a little bit more than that at this stage in the particularly season. Particularly that in playing half his games in that band box. Philly. <laughs> Philly. I mean, it's a beautiful ballpark, but it's it's very very small. Are there any stadiums that aren't band boxes anymore? I mean, no. really? I mean, every single uh, well, new the new stadium. Yankee Stadium's a joke, right? I mean, right. as far as it, their dimensions, yeah. It, the it, ballpark it, of Cincinnati is also another one. Yeah. Oh, that's what I understand. I've not been to that one yet, but yeah, that's what I hear. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, the the old Yankee Stadium was wonderful because it had the vast left center field, and uh, then right down the lines it was the right field porch was short, and then the, the just right down the left field line was short. But you know, and and to a degree, when they opened Camden Yards, you you know you put your best outfielder in left field right. because that's the most area to cover. You right. know? And in the case of the Orioles, and for that matter, the Yankees. They have Mickey Rivers in center. Of course, they also have Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio in center. But, uh, 
you know, like Brady Anderson when the Camden Yards opened, he was their best outfielder, right. so he played left field. And Mike Devereaux, who had a very – I mean, he, he covered a lot of ground. Devereaux was a terrific outfielder. But he, I haven't heard in forever, Mike Devereaux. And, but he had, he had no arm, so mm. they put him in center. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, gone are, are definitely the days of the cavernous yes. uh, ballparks and stadiums like the old Indians Park, which seemed to go on forever mm-hmm. and ever and ever, where you actually had to get into a ball to hit it out. Nowadays, high pop flies will carry out of 75% of the ballparks. Well, in Cleveland, too, you had to hit it through the air. Got that municipal right, stadium because right. it was right there sure, on, right lake, on the lake. Right. On the lake. Right. And, Absolutely. Uh, I, I got you. I was lucky to see that stadium uh last year it was open for baseball. So Really? Yep. Yeah, we went to uh we went to the Pirates game on uh Saturday night and then Sunday we drove over to Cleveland and saw a game there. It would have been nineteen ninety two, I think. 92 or 93. 93. Because I was actually in Cleveland when they were still playing at the old municipal. And I was there when they opened up the Jake. Never saw a game at the old park, but I did see several games in the new one, which would have been, yeah, it was 93. So I think 92 was the last year of of municipal, I think. Whatever the year was, whatever it was, yeah, yeah. early nineties. How about that? Let's just, yeah, <laughs> let's generalize and say early nineties. It, it was, it was a great experience. And uh, Albert Bell, it was his first year as Albert Bell. That's right. He, he had, no longer he Joey. Had, he had been right. Joey. That's Bell. right. That's and of right. course, I was with a friend of mine who was a champion heckler in the day. And I'm like, <laughs> man, you just don't want to be heckling this guy, particularly since we're standing in left field. And, uh, yeah, because you never know. We got <laughs> what might come back he, at you. He got some looks from uh, Albert. I believe he, he kept calling him Joey. It's like, <laughs> hey, his, hey, man, his name's Albert now. You know, cut it out. Uh, the movie Major League, by the way, as we go to break here, uh, they were, uh, I guess, technically playing at the old municipal. But do you know where that stadium actually was? County Stadium, Milwaukee. I knew you'd get it. I knew Major you'd get League it. Major League Two is in Baltimore. I did not. I've seen that movie once, never saw it again because it wasn't worth the second watch. Replacements was in Baltimore. I did not know that. Again, we learn something new every day from the venerable one. That's right. We just learned two new things. How about that? All right, one more break, and we'll come back to wrap up hour number one. Stick around, WZMD. This is the Morning Rush. This is going to be a very uh, truncated, uh, how's that for a word, Mike, uh, segment. I like that word. Uh, reaching into my bag of vocabulary because we came back late from breaks. So we got like four minutes left. Ah. So why don't you just sing us a song and we'll... Trailers <laughs> for sale or rent. Rooms to let Now, nah, see, I thought you would have went with Mandy, but... No, no. no. Hey, that's King of the Roads, my song. In fact, uh, last month, on um, uh, the occasion of my birthday, mm. aha, what a great day that ended up being. Mm, yes, I sang were. with the Kramer brothers, or the Kramers. Really? Every now and then when they play at Oscars, yeah, they, they asked me to get up and sing King of the Road. I got I to gotta take part in that. No, no, not actually take part, like watch it. I gotta, that's something I need to see at some point. It's fun. Boom, sounds like it. So, so you, there, there, you, hey, you know what? That's a that's a bucket list thing that you didn't realize you even had. 
See, I can't. I, I couldn't carry a tune if it came with a handle. So I don't know if I would be the right person. Not that I look. I, I spent my time on the karaoke stage back in the day. Right. Oh, it's, well, it's fun. But uh, yeah, that's interesting. I'm not a very good singer, but I just like to sing. And you know, I think we all do that. But we, I think a lot of us do it in in private showers. Sure. In the car. Well, oh, that's that's whatever. where your your talents are honed. That's, <laughs> that's true because the acoustics are good. Oh, they're great. But, uh, yeah, last year was the first year. It was my birthday at Oscars, and uh, they sang Happy Birthday to me, which was great. And uh, a friend of mine said, well, he likes to sing King of the Road if you get a few more pops in him. And by that time, the pops had been popped. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you have a few cold ones, and you're walking home. It's good to get yeah, up and you sing. that. All right. And it makes you – it does. It just makes you feel great. I need video. I need audio of that. The venerable one. Yes. Singing King of the Road That's with the right. Kramer brothers. Well, hey, man. That, like I said, they're so good, and I love to listen to them and sing along with them. And, you know, they're one of those groups. Well, I mean, I'm not comparing them to the Beatles by any stretch right, of the right. imagination. No one gets that one. But uh, they're so good that when they're playing – and you're singing to yourself or singing a little bit out loud, they they may make you feel like you you're, sound you're a good singer, you know? <laughs> and that's how good they that. are. I get that. And uh, uh, Yeah, I really I really enjoy – in fact, I think they play Friday night at Oscars. Right. Again, so. right. uh, James He's, James checks in, Matt, or Mike, and asks, uh, is that Pat Boone on the air? No, it's Roger Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, I used to – I don't have white shoes. Pat Boone. You know who does have white shoes? Joe Namath. Billy Johnson. Uh, Remember him? How's that, how's that for a name? Joe Namath uh, was first, though. Really? Yeah, Bill, Joe Namath wore white shoes. I guess I never paid attention. But Billy Johnson, of course, had the nickname. Billy White, Billy shoes, white shoes Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. One of the first guys that I can remember now, actually doing the end zone celebration. Yeah, that's true. He and Elmo Wright for the Kansas City Chiefs did one, too. But yeah, yeah, 100% right. And uh, he made the end zone dance what it is today. Yeah. And, of course, he played for the Oilers, mm-hmm. the old Oilers, which, as a Steelers fan, made me hate him immediately. Yeah, why? You never lost to him. When it mattered. Uh, when it mattered, when it mattered anyway. You're right. When it mattered, you're right. But still, that was one of those old, you know, back, well, that was a good back in those days, AFC Central. Yeah, that was a good uh, rivalry. Rivalry. You know, the old Oilers. Kenny the, Stabler. The great bump. Yeah, Dan uh, Pastorini. Dan Pastorini. Uh, bum Phillips. Uh, Earl Campbell. Earl Campbell couldn't finish his mile run. You remember? You ever hear this story? No, no. Please it, do. Like in spring, in in the summer camp, he couldn't finish his mile run, and they said to Bum Phillips, "Well, what are you going to do?" Earl Earl Campbell didn't finish his he couldn't finish his mile run, and Bum Phillips said, "Well, if it's ever third down in a mile, I won't give it to him." <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> he Look, was great. You, you didn't need Earl to run him out. You need Earl. <laughs> just give him the ball and get out of the way. He was one. He was a talk about a power. He was back. a man. And he wore those thigh pads that were about eight inches thick, which made him even look even bigger than what he actually was. The, the only time I ever saw Earl Campbell not have a big game was in the, his Cotton Bowl senior season. Uh. And Notre Dame had a great team, Ross Browner. Mm. And uh, those guys, and they, they they shut him down pretty good. I think that was Joe Montana's junior okay. year. Okay. Now Dame. Earl went to Texas, right? Yep. Yeah, so that's what I thought. That's, and later, of course, he was uh, well known for the uh, Skull commercials. Yeah, Skull Brother. Skull Brother. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. Going back in the day here with the venerable one, which we will do. 
Uh, from time to time. From time to time. We're both uh, old men. <laughs> yes. Yes. And if you're a youngster out there, do yourself a favor and Google Houston Oilers. And especially uh, their fight song, which was, as much as I hated them, I did enjoy their fight song. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. <laughs> and the old Love You Blue. Oh, my goodness. All right. A little nostalgia on uh, today's show. Oilers number one. There you go. As we go to break, taking us out with a song. All right, uh, hour number two coming up. <laughs> Stick around, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Uh, Tony C. in the big chair, the venerable one, Mike Burke. Yes. Back in the saddle. Hmm. Hanging out live. We're hanging. We're hanging. And singing, oh, by the way. That's right. Uh, you know, James was checking in, and uh, you were doing a little Roger Miller. Uh, what's the first song you were singing? I can't remember. King the of the Road. King of the Road. Thank you. And uh, James asked if that was Pat Boone. Uh, I think he knew what who did the song. He sure. Was, you know. Then he texts back and he says, uh, "Can he sing Dang Me?" Which I had absolutely no idea what Dang Me was. And then during the break, Mike, you broke into pretty much the entire song. Won't won't ask you to do it now. But pretty much the entire song, word for word, which is very impressive. Oh, I, I, I'm very familiar with, uh, to use one of your words, the Roger Miller catalog. The catalog, yes. I celebrate his entire catalog. I celebrate his entire catalog, <laughs> indeed. So to answer your question, James, yes, uh, Mike can indeed, I can be witness, uh, sing uh, Dang Me. Uh, <laughs> we are. It's Dang Me. Dang Me. Not Dang Me. Oh, so so I'm putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Now. Yeah, okay. it's not honky tonk enough. The, the thing about Roger Miller, Roger Miller won Tony Awards. He he wrote Old Man River, uh, the Broadway know. production, and wow, and uh, he he won a Tony Award for that. And he was a brilliant man, and he he could do anything. Very talented, brilliant writer and uh, uh, performer, and I just loved Roger Miller. Uh, he, he he had a variety show on, and my father, who didn't pass along much worthwhile in his uh, years on this earth, but uh, my love for Roger Miller, I did get from him. Very nice. From Glenn, right. yes. Yeah, Roger Miller. Now I'm going to have to go home and listen to some Roger Miller. Oh, you'll Mo- love it. You won't stop. I'm just telling you. Roger Miller stays with you forever. And then maybe some uh, Barry Manilow after no, that, no, too. No, <laughs> no, no, not Barry. Uh, you'll you'll like England Swings, uh, One Dine and a Barian, and, uh, you know, all is Dang Me. Um, we could just go on and on and on. Uh, Which we the, can because we have an hour to kill, so. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, plenty of stuff to talk about this hour. Moral uh, come to sports wise, sports wise. Okay, let's, uh, let's stick. Keep our eye on the ball. Every now and then, we can go off the rails. It's fine. No, no, life is not all about sports. No, it isn't. You know, we spent several minutes yesterday talking about uh, beer, which I guess kind of go hand in hand with sports well, and other things among in life. Yes. Right. Uh, all right. So, uh, re- as it is. <laughs> reminder: uh, several ways to get involved on the show if you want to get into the conversation about Roger Miller <laughs> or. Anything else for that matter? Uh, Rush line is open, 301-759-2628, 301-759-2628. Hit us up on Twitter, at WCMD Morning Rush, at Rush Tony C, at Mike Burke MDT. On the Book of Faces, uh, at WCMD Cumberland Radio. And there's one more. What am I forgetting? Oh, the podcast page. 
uh, on the free Podbean app. We uh, put every show up there, minus all the commercials. And so if you missed anything, go check it out. If you missed the first hour, Mike and I talked about baseball the last hour. Talking about the old Houston Oilers. Mm-hmm. Houston uh, which Oilers may actually have been the first time in two years of this show we mentioned the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Which are now, of course, uh, for those who don't know, you youngsters out there, uh, the Tennessee Titans. Yes. Now, were they were they still the Oilers when they moved? Like When they played their first year in Tennessee, were they still the Oilers? I, you know, I don't know that. I, I don't remember that. Let's put it that okay. way. But uh, I could, they, they might have been, or maybe I just had it in my head before they renamed them because I thought, well, you know, there's oil in Tennessee, Jed Clampett. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. I do remember they did not play, uh, they, they kind of did what the Ravens did because they didn't have their stadium built yet. So didn't they play at like Vanderbilt or somewhere? I think so. I think it was Vanderbilt. Until they got their stadium built. But I, I want to say they were still the Oilers like the first year or two that they were Maybe in Tennessee. They were. I'll, I'll have to look it up. I'll have to look it up. Uh, all right. Uh, before we get into uh, some more uh, random jawboning here, let's uh, get you all caught up on what happened yesterday as we rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we want to rock around with uh, uh, Roger Miller. We start with Major League Baseball. Yes where the Pirates and Brewers went to extra innings last night in Milwaukee. There's a little soft liner in the center field, a base hit. This will score a couple. On a two-strike pitch, Brian Reynolds scores a couple more, and the Pirates take an 8-5 lead. Greg Brown, the call on the Pirates Radio Network. Pirates scored three runs in a tenth to beat the Brew Crew 8-5. All of that coming after they were no hit through six innings. And then rallied with five runs in the seventh, eventually won the game in 10. Gregory Polanco had himself a night for the Bucs, uh, finally. He broke up the no-hitter. Then he pulled back a game-winning home run in the ninth. And then he singled home the go-ahead run in the tenth. Uh, Hoy Parks, a second career hit, was a three-run double for the Bucs that put him ahead uh, 5-4 in the seventh. Elsewhere, the Yankees uh, put a beatdown on the Orioles in the Bronx. High fly ball, deep right field, Santander back, track, wall, see ya. A three-run home run for Giancarlo Stanton, and the Yankees lead 9-0. Drill deep to right field, going back, Hayes on the track at the wall, see ya. Lucky 13, Yankees up 13-1. Well, it's kind of feel-good night for everybody, and Aaron Judge just put 21-22 to 22 in the home run column. Again, uh, not a feel-good night for the Orioles. Calls on the Yes Network, 13-1 the final. Uh, Yankees win, 13 runs the most uh, they have scored all season. Six Yankee starters had at least uh, two hits. Uh, Luis Gill, making an emergency start in place of Garrett Cole, uh, pitched six scoreless innings uh, in his Major League debut for the Yankees. Ryan Mountcastle, RBI double for the O's only run. Third loss this season of 12 or more runs for the O's. That's the most, as you can imagine, in the American League. But if the Orioles win tonight, 2-1, to one, they win the series. They win the series. So the final score doesn't matter. That that, that bothers uh, Paul Green, the, the, the great Fort Hill basketball coach, athletic director to this day. He's a Yankee fan. Pirates, uh, uh, the Yankees outscored the Pirates like 115 in the World Series. In the World Series, and the Pirates won the World Series. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Bill Mazeroski, one of the most 
famous home runs yeah, ever. That's right. And yeah, you're yeah because I think the Yankees won their games. It was always like ten to one, ten yeah. to two. I mean, it was ridiculous. Pirates got by by the skin of their teeth, but that's all, end, matters, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. In DC uh, last night, the Phillies hit four home runs against the Nationals, including one uh, from an old friend. One and two. That ball's hit out toward left center field. It's hit well. Stevenson's going back. Forget about it. It is gone. A long home run for Bryce Harper. He goes the opposite way against his former team. It's the fifth one this year against the Nationals. It's a 5-2 game, and he's kind of taken a curly route around the bases. The call on NBC Sports Philadelphia. I wonder if that was a shot at the Nationals and the curly W in the books. I think it was. Whether by Harper or the guy who just called that shot there. Uh, Harper's solo shot in the eighth inning, not ninth, eighth, uh, proved to be the game winner as the Phils beat the Nats 5-4. Uh, Harper has 17 homers this season, five against his old team. Uh, Gene Segura, JT Romuto, and Ronald Torres also went yard for Philly. Uh, Josh Bell, former Pirate, hit a two-run homer for Washington. And in high school golf, yes, high school high golf. School golf. Already underway, official high school action. Kaiser beat Moorfield, Frankfurt, and Petersburg at Valley View. Uh, Kaiser's Drew Matlick led all golfers with a 37 as the Golden Tornado shot a 173. Uh, Moorfield finished 14 shots off the pace with a 187. Uh, J.J. Carr shot a 41 for the Jackets. Frankfurt was third, led by Bryson Lane's 44, and Petersburg was fourth led by John Minix of 52. That is uh, your Rock Around the Region, brought to you by the Caporelli Group. Ooh, crinkling. Crinkling of the paper. File 13. There we go. I have just been handed this by our crack research team. Oh, wait. I, I, wait a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. There you go. I really like that. <laughs> Ron Burgundy, baby. Can't go wrong. The floor is yours. In 1997, now this comes straight from the internet, so if it's on the internet. It's got to it, be true. It's got to be true. It has to be. In 1997, the Oilers became the first NFL team to call Tennessee home when the franchise relocated to the Volunteer State. Right. Two years later, in 1999, the franchise retired the nickname Oilers became known as the Titans. Well, there you go. So the first two years in Tennessee, they were still the Oilers. That's right. All right. Which, by the way, I think they moved into a new stadium. So there you go. We got that figured out. I knew my memory's not what it once was. But it's not, you know, every now and then. But uh, Toby keeps saying, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. There you go. You have those those moments. Uh, All right. So, uh, Mike, we're going to play a little game of – of who said this. Okay. Whether you want us to not use sticky stuff or not is is, is fine. Fine. Do it in the offseason. Give us a chance to adjust to it. But I just threw 80-something, 70-whatever innings, and then you just told me I can't use anything in the middle of the year. I had to change everything I've been doing the entire season. Everything out of the window. I have to start doing something completely new. And then I'm telling you, I truly believe that's why I got hurt. Me throwing 100 and being 6'7 is why I got hurt, but that contributed. And so I'm I'm just frustrated that like they don't understand how hard it is to pitch one, but to tell us to do something completely different in the middle of a season is insane. And I'm sitting here, my lifelong dream, I want to go out and win a Cy Young, I want to be an all-star, and then now it's all just because I like 
Now it's over. Who was that, Mike? I want to guess that it was, uh, well, other than maybe Martin Short. Uh, <laughs> Garrett Cole? No, sir. Okay. No, sir. But he was a former pirate, by the way. Oh, okay. That Who? was Tyler Glasnow. Okay. Uh, back in June, after he got hurt, blasting Major League Baseball well, for the timing of their crackdown. I do not disagree with him. On the sticky substances. I was going to get to that. Yesterday, uh, the Rays announced Glasnow will undergo season-ending Tommy John surgery today, which means he'll likely miss most, if not all, of next, next season, season as well. As well. Now, Glasnow was pitching well this year, 5-2, and 2.66 ERA and 14 starts. He'd been on the injured list uh, since June 15th. Now, Tampa has done well without Glass now. They're still in first place uh, in the East. Yeah. So the question was, and you kind of you already partially answered it, do you think Major League Baseball and your boy Rob Manfred shoulder any of the blame for an injury like Tyler's for changing things up in the middle of the season like they did? They shoulder the entire blame, in my opinion. There you go. Because... <sighs> You can't. I mean, look what he said in the middle of the season, right after fourteen starts, right? Uh, no, I, 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 I'm, I agreed with every word he said, and uh, it, it just it further proof that Rob Manfred has no clue about baseball. None. You just can't do it in the middle of the season. It, it's, I'm not arguing that the 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 spirit of it, right? You know, let him have a, sp- a spring training and an off season. And by the way, produce a baseball that can be worked with. They haven't been able to do that, no. and I don't know how Every many year years. it changes. Every year the baseball changes. And even Glass now said in that clip, hey, if you want to crack down on this stuff, that's fine. He had a problem with that. Uh-huh. It's the fact that you knew about it. You knew it was going on. Everybody knew it was going sure. on to some extent. And you waited until the season was two months in. To change it, it's one thing if it's like a rev- a startling revelation, like they just found out about it two months in, and you want to change it. That's that's one thing. Yes, but it's, it was one of baseball's dirty little secrets that pitchers were using spider tack and all that kind of homemade glue. Baseball knew about it going into this season, chose to do nothing about it until two months in or whatever, and Glasnow's called him out. And now, as a result, he is Tommy John, which hey, you know, pitchers go through it again. His career is not over. He's only uh, 27, I do believe. But nobody wants to go through that and miss no, the rest I of this mean, season, all of next season, pretty uh, much. These are his prime earning years, too. Right, right. And again, he was having a pretty good year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like uh, Louis, Captain Renault, the great Claude Rains character in Casablanca. I'm shocked, shocked. <laughs> To find that gambling is going on in right, this place. Right. Here, you're winning, sir. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so, Glass, now, okay, I, I just want to get your thought on that. I, I, I figured that you would uh, take his oh, side I agree with because him. you cannot stand uh, Rob Manfred. Well, I mean, this is why. Even if it was, it, could anybody? You could not just Manfred. You know, he's made mistakes upon mistakes upon mistakes. It was just a dumb thing to do. Well, you, you, you knew coming in as commissioner. And don't get me wrong, I Bud Selig damn, damn near killed the game. Right. Yeah, he was no walk in the park. Right. Ninety-four. Yeah. yeah. But uh, killed the expo. I, anyway. I didn't. I didn't particularly care for him, but at least he understood the game, the actual game. Right. Okay. Uh, 
You, uh, Manford, he, he was just, uh, he was a, a suit. He, he was a, a, a bean counter lawyer from D.C., you know, who, who used to go to Orioles games to be seen. Right. You know, <laughs> right, that's what right. we used to call them in Baltimore, the suits, you know. Right. Hated them. And, of course, could use the revenue now, but. Right. And you, I just knew it was going to be bad moon rising, A, for the Orioles. It has been. Uh, witness mass and deal and B uh, bad moon rising for uh, baseball. Cause he doesn't have a clue about the actual game. Let's speed it up. Let, let, you know, let's make your ballpark experience eight minutes less than it normally would be right. by completely changing and altering the way right. the game has been played for over two. Right. And nobody's complaining about that eight minutes or nobody is, you know, their life is any better by getting that eight minutes back in the ball. Uh-huh. But here, but what's the difference though? Because, from all I know, Roger Goodell is a lawyer. You know, and he is it just the sport itself because he's done a pretty decent job as commissioner of the NFL. Does the NFL is that pretty much a self-guiding uh, entity because everybody just loves football? Uh, how much of a football guy was Goodell before he took? I, I don't know. Right. So how is he any different than Manfred? You know, he's been pretty successful running the NFL as opposed to Manfred in Major League Baseball. I, I, I would agree. Uh, Goodell takes a lot of heat. I mean, he's always under the, the thumb, it seems like. Uh, someone's always giving him hell about something. Comes with the territory. Right. But, yeah, the NFL is such a monster. <laughs> Juggernaut. There's just, you know, no matter how bad it is, it's it just is still stronger sure. and stronger. People are going to tune in no matter what. Yep. It's a drug and uh, – Baseball is a, a wine. It's an acquired taste. <laughs> and football has just got to have it, got to have it, got to have right. it. You know, and I, I don't understand that. But, I, I mean, I I mean, I appreciate it. I, I don't understand it. Football, the big difference between football and, say, baseball and hockey, hockey especially, I think baseball is going more towards hockey Hockey is a regional thing. Hockey is you follow you follow the game if you have a team in your city, more more or less. There aren't very many casual hockey fans out there. Like if I didn't grow up near Pittsburgh, I doubt that I would be. Mm-hmm. I, oh, uh, you know, a uh, Penguins fan or or a hockey fan. And I think baseball is kind of trending that way to where if you don't have a baseball team in your city or you you didn't grow up following a team. Like, I don't see, like, as a Pirates fan, I don't spend too much time watching a game between the Angels and the A's. Let's put it that way. But with football, I'm a Steelers fan, but I still might sit down and watch a game between the Niners and the Rams because it's just football, because mm-hmm. it's the NFL. No, no, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. And, yeah, I think baseball's really always been a regional game, and uh, the, the one national team has been the Yankees from right, the beginning right. of time, whether – we want to like that or not, and uh, like the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that it repulses me, but it—I <laughs> mean, it is what it is. And uh, you know, Notre Dame College, you right. know, uh, you know, although the, that aura, that swag, isn't as powerful no, as it once no, was. Not even close. Like when I grew up, I, 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 I was a diehard Notre Dame fan up until uh, maybe twenty years ago. Right. And I went to uh, a Maryland-Notre Dame game in the Meadowlands, kickoff classic. Hmm. And it was Ralph Regan's second year. 
And it was Ty Willingham's first year, I believe, at Notre Dame. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I wonder, it's like, wow, this would be weird. Uh, I've never rooted against Notre Dame. What will happen? They're playing my school. Right. Well, I mean, it just blood's thicker than water. Right. I mean, as soon as I got there, I was, you know, from Maryland. And some of the Notre Dame fans, granted, they were Jersey Notre Dame fans, uh, I was like looking in the mirror, not liking what I saw. <laughs> and so I just kind of, I mean, I still, yeah, I like so, Notre so, Dame and still have fond recollections right. and memories and love for Notre Dame because uh, they're just memories I'll never forget. I and mean, there's no place in the world like Notre Dame. If you ever get a chance to go, South go. Bend, South Bend. Yeah. Never been, never been. see a game. It's, it's one of the greatest experiences of my life. So it's just, you know, you, you realize it's it just I guess it just comes with getting older, you know. So you were a Notre Dame fan even through your years attending Maryland. Yes. Okay. That's when Montana would have been at, uh, at Notre Dame. Okay. Okay. But you were still, you know, you were rooting for the Terps. Oh, right? sure. Yeah. But Notre Dame was kind of top of your list. Yeah. I mean, yeah. growing up, I was just a Notre Dame fan. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Probably because it bothered my father. <laughs> you know, you know the old uh, Field of Dreams thing there. Right. 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 And. Uh, yeah, he went to the Naval Academy, and he hated Notre Dame. Hmm. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Well, a lot of people hate Notre Dame. Well, sure. You know, it's, 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 and they don't know why, but they don't. Know. <laughs> it's the it, well, it's the exposure. It's 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 Notre Dame is just one of those polarizing uh, programs, teams. Call it what you want. You either love them or you hate them. There's very little in between when it comes uh, to a Notre Dame or a Duke or the Cowboys. You know, I don't know very many casual Cowboys fans. Either no, that's true. I mean, either you're a dyed in the wool uh, Cowboys fan, or Yankees. you hate their guts. Yeah, Yankees is the same way. And a lot of that, I guess, comes with with, with success. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sure. you you love your uh, your team, especially if they win a lot. But if it's not your Patriots, are the same way. Look, nobody hated the Patriots before Belichick and Tom Brady. Nobody hated New England because they were irrelevant before those guys came along. Now half the country hates the Patriots because of what they've done in the past twenty years. You know, if, oh, it's, yeah. if it's your team and they're winning, you love them. If they're if you're this is not your team, then you can't stand them. You know, I hated the 49ers whenever Montana was there because they won all the time. Now I could care less about the 49ers because they're just another team. To wit, uh, the, a great example using the 49ers. I mean, at one time it's like wow, you know that you, you know everybody loves the you know like the Notre Dame cowboy-like following. Well, no, that's not the case because that died down. Right. And when 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 this finally ends in New England, that it, it will be looked at as a golden era for Patriots football, but not the it, it will never be like a Cowboys, Notre Dame, right. Yankees. Right. Right. Cuz yeah, that that that's, that seems like that's going to last forever. Those well, teams. Well, the, the Notre Dame, of course, you know, uh goes back to the early 20th century. Uh, 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 Irish Catholic, uh, they 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 were were persecuted uh, wrongly, and whether they uh, people thought they were or not, and so that that is what helped build the the, the, the uh, following of Notre Dame. Uh, you know the Irish Catholic, and you know that that goes deeper. That goes generations. Sure, sure, and. Uh, this Patriots thing in time will pass, maybe long after we're gone, right. but it will. Right. Well, yeah, I think. Well, I think that, that runs already over. <laughs> I think the Patriots thing's already over. Uh, I, a lot of people are taking a whole lot of pleasure in seeing uh, them stumble 
after Mr. You know, touchdown Tommy left, and who knows what they're going to do now. I think that run, that era, that dynasty is done. Even though I, Belichick is still there. Um, right. Well, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. It, this will be a very interesting year to see what, how, what right. happens. Right. He, Belichick still swears that Cam Newton is, is the starter, although they, they drafted Mac Jones, what, seventh overall, whatever it was. Uh-huh. Um, but well, I, Cam is – he didn't have a great year last year. He did against the Ravens. <laughs> That's true. He did. That's right. And then the first loss of the season last year, right? Weren't the Ravens undefeated before uh, they played uh, Cam and the Patriots? I, I don't remember. It sounds about right. It was a night game. It was a primetime yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, and, and the Patriots won that game. I think it was they, it was Ravens' first loss of the season. All right, uh, time for a break. Speaking of America's team, did I ever tell you this, you know the story about uh, the Steelers? How they wanted to call them the America's team, and Art Rooney put the kibosh on that. Yeah, that, that way we'll talk about that when we come back. Okay. All right, news, weather, and then uh, why the Steelers aren't America's team. Stick around. One hundred two point one FM, AM twelve thirty. Uh, oh, I almost said the old name. Uh, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. And uh, before the break, Mike, we were talking about uh, polarizing Uh teams, programs over the years. Not just short dynasties. And we talked about the old 49ers. Mm -hmm. Sure. Who they were hated for a while because they won so much. They were just good, yeah. Yeah, but then after a while, since they weren't great, people just kind of forgot about them. But then there's teams like Notre Dame, the Cowboys, the Yankees. That Mm -hmm. just Duke. Basket, it just never goes away. I I wouldn't go that far with Duke, but they're, yeah, they're, okay. they're close. They're, they're, they're close. close. They're close. They've been so good for so long. It seemed like it's been forever. Well, Shashevsky's been there a long time. It's yeah. true. This is true. Uh, so we were talking about that, and you mentioned, of course, Cowboys being uh, America's team. And I, I said right before the break that there is a story mm-hmm. that the Steelers uh, were almost called America's team. I was going to try to tell it. But I figure, let's go straight to the source where I heard the story. Okay. As a Pittsburgh guy, as a Southwest PA guy. Right. I could sit and listen to Dave Wanstead tell stories oh, okay. all day long. Yeah. He's a Pittsburgh. He has the accent. He just has. I, lo- I love him. Love wanting. So he was on uh, Fox NFL kickoff last year. They were previewing. It was a Cowboys-Steelers game. Mm-hmm. So he told this story. I figured, right, <laughs> I found the clip. So let's bring it up and listen to uh, Wanstead okay. uh, tell the story right here. When I was the defense coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, you know, we were just getting it going, and Coach Noel, the coach of the Steelers, retired. I was one of the guys that they called in to talk to about the job. I'm going in there, and I'm talking about America's team and the Dallas Cowboys. <clears throat> and Dan Rooney, you know, who, who was interviewing me, he said, stop right there. He says, let me tell you a little story about America's team. He said, in 1976, us Steelers, we beat the Dallas Cowboys in Super Bowl X. And my dad, the chief, as they called him, Pete Rosell was the commissioner. He calls up my dad and says, we're making our highlight tape. We want to name the Steelers America's team. That wants, that's going to be our caption. He says, the chief, he always had a cigar. He said he took a puff of that cigar and he said, Pete, let me tell you something. We are not America's team. We are the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Tech Tram took that from Dallas and ran with it ever since. So there you go. Tech Shram strikes again. Tech Shram basically stole the name. Not really stole it. The Steelers, Art Rooney. Art, the Chief didn't want to use didn't it. Didn't want to use it. 
We're not America's team. We're Pittsburgh's that, team. I love, that, I'm not even a Pittsburgh guy. That gives me chills. That gave me I love that story. chill bumps. I, I have them right now. Of course, you know, as a Steelers fan. You're but the I, Pittsburgh Steelers. I've heard that story, and I've heard that clip. I can't tell you how many times. Every time I do, it gives me the yeah, old goosebumps. I bet it, it should. Especially coming from Wanstead. Yeah. And there's nobody better to tell that story with that voice and that accent yep. than Wani. Yeah, that that is a great story. Well done. Art Rooney, by the way, one of the greatest owners of any team sure. of all, you know, that Rooney family. We know the history uh, going back there. And when I heard that story, it was like, yep, yeah, that sounds about right. Like, that sounds like something the Chief uh, would have done. So the Steelers are that close because Pete Rozelle, old commissioner, won right. it. That close to being America's team. Well, I, I'll tell you, at the time, in 1976, when the Steelers did win that Super Bowl, it would have worked. Yeah. That, yeah, moni- yeah, that moniker would have worked yep. for the Steelers. And, in fact, you know, the Charlie Daniels uh, had the song America. Right. You know, it was during the Iran crisis, mm-hmm. uh, the original one, and uh, <clears throat> at least in our lifetime. You know, you just don't mess with no Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> fan or something like right, that. You know, right. it would then it would have worked. Sure, in absolutely. the seventies, uh, yep. they could have very easily taken off as America's right. team, and it still would hold it, true today because, because there's a Steeler bar in every everywhere. city in America, everywhere. Because once the steel industry went belly up in Pittsburgh, everybody took off. Yeah, and but they took their fandom with them. Yep. So as you know, Pittsburghers started to spread across the country. Boom! There you go. Ste- you, you, you will not go to any. City, major city in America, and not be able to find a, a Steelers car. It's one hundred percent true, and it always drives me crazy when I hear announcers say that Steelers fans always travel so well. They didn't travel anywhere; they're already there. <laughs> they live there. They're yeah. not traveling to San Diego. They live there. That's a good point. That just drives me nuts. Oh, they travel so well. No, nobody got on a plane. To go fill half of San Diego Stadium or whatever, they're already there. How about train? Or automobiles. How about that? There you go. <laughs> All right, so switching gears here. Okay. Uh, something I wanted to touch in on. In the middle you, of the season? In the, <laughs> Tyler Glass now. Something I want to touch on yesterday, but I did not, because we haven't talked about it since I came back from vacation. Okay. Oklahoma and Texas. Okay. Leaving the Big 12 to join the SEC by 2025. It'll more likely be earlier than that. And, of course, those moves are going to cause a ripple effect throughout college football. We're going to see, you know, teams and conferences reshuffling. I said the Big 12 will probably just implode once those teams Mm -hmm. take off. Two biggest programs in the conference, and the leftover teams would be scrambling to join other conferences. Now, there's one possibility that I never considered. Okay. I'm going to play a clip here. ESPN analyst uh, Cole Kublick was on Cole with Cole Kublick. Cole Kublick, yes. Hmm. It's interesting that. Bet he got chased from school. <laughs> he was on with Freddie and Fitzsimmons uh, last night. If there's a way for the Big Twelve to move into the Pac-12 and find a way to make that work, that that might be best case scenario for those remaining teams, mainly because of who you would be affiliated with at that point. And we know that there are some college football blue bloods. There are some college football newcomers. And obviously, the Power Five status, you know, is going to remain. 
that might be in jeopardy if you just go try to pick and choose other teams to be affiliated with your conference, join your conference, or you try to merge with another group of five conference. So if you want to keep what we appear right now to look at probably automatic bid status, winning your conference, Tyler will be able to get in. I think best case scenario might be finding a way to merge with the Pac-12. And what would that do also for the Pac-12? Because now you've got games that are in the central time zone and not just Pac-12 after dark. How beneficial would that be to get more eyeballs on those blue bloods like SC, like Oregon, like Washington in the central time zone? Yeah, and I think that helps from that perspective. I think it helps from an inventory perspective. I mean, Pac-12 television rights are not where everybody else's is. Pac-12 network, we can't find it a lot of the times. Got to find a way to get that where people can see it. And obviously, you throw Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Iowa State, Texas Tech, TCU into the Pac-12, a lot more people all of a sudden are going to want access to your network to be able to watch those teams compete in multiple sports. So, yeah, I don't think it's just infiltrating from a geographical standpoint or maybe even a time zone standpoint. The inventory that you would be able to offer a television network, number one, would increase. That brings a ton of value with it. Number two, I think you look at what else you are going to be able to provide the teams that are potentially coming into your league, and I think that would be nothing but good news for the Pac-12. Now, you would also have numbers, and I think that's where if you wanted to get creative with scheduling, I mean, you don't even have to play non-conference games anymore if you added the rest of those teams just based on the numbers that you now have inside of your conference. So it would allow George Klevkov to be a little bit more creative with how he wanted to schedule things in the future. So I never thought about it. I never considered it. When OU and Texas jump ship, that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 merge. Now, once they leave, that will leave eight teams in the Big 12, which makes no sense. Pac-12 actually has 12. A merger would make it a 20-team conference, which I don't think is realistic. So there would have to be some teams kind of left out of the equation. Right. Would West Virginia be one of them? I would think so. And Cole Kublik? Kublik. Kublik, May have been chased home from school quite a bit. However, he makes a great point. I mean, I was with him on every every point of that. And that would, yeah, that would really be an interesting conference. You know, the the Big 12 and the Pac-12, right. you know. Uh, now, West Virginia, I, I had a, I filed a column last week that could be found on our Facebook pages. And, you know, it, it, the, the same applies to West Virginia and the ACC. To me, uh, the, the ACC is just the natural fit for West Virginia. Right. right. Uh, now, you know, the ACC – has these academic standards. They don't think West Virginia's admissions uh, policies are strict enough. You know, duh, well, it's a state university. You know, <laughs> right, someone, right. you know if someone wants a chance. But um, they have to get over that uh, and, and make sure West Virginia is invited into their conference so they can reach the 16 teams when Notre Dame is, is available to be one of them. But – you know, here's the thing. One of the points I made: the ACC sold its soul to basketball, mm-hmm. or to, uh, sold its soul, which was basketball, right. for football. And uh, with the last expansion, and with, with the exception of Clemson, 
you know, it ain't really that great of a no, football conference. Because Florida, uh, State's Florida not what State it used to be, right? Bellied up. Now, the Athletic reported that half of the conference football members averaged fewer than forty thousand fans per game. Wow. West Virginia <laughs> tops fifty-seven thousand. Sure. Okay, and they and now there is a fan base that travels right. and lives everywhere. Right. Okay. So the ACC, to me, can use another fan base that cares about football since they fancy themselves, you know, a super conference, a football conference, yada, yada, yada. You know, the ACC needs to get over itself and get West Virginia in that conference just for uh, football alone. It's a perfect fit. Well, for everything alone, it's a perfect fit. 100%. And I don't even think, like, if, if, and again, that's, that's just Cole speculating. But uh, Cole has good speculation. I like right. that speculation. Right. And even if the Big 12 and the Pac-12 merge, I don't think West Virginia wants anything to do with that because they all no, of course they, they don't. They already travel a ridiculous number of miles. Yeah, they they to play jumping jacks with what's happening now. You're right. <laughs> right. So what happens? You know, they really want to travel to play Oregon and at, no. Was- and at Washington. That makes no sense. So, like you said, the the, the best case, the smartest thing, the yeah. more the more realistic thing would be a. Hey, He's joined the ACC. And I think the ACC now trying to play catch-up to the SEC. Well, I, think everybody else, I think then what once kept them from taking the Mountaineers, that's going to go out the window. And I think they would it, welcome them with open well, arms. Well, in light of just what's happened, you know, the the, the, the guy who was really the, the, the – I, I can't stand him, John Swafford. Right, right. He's the, the commissioner of the ACC. He's a North Carolina guy. You know, he and he's looking down his nose at West Virginia's academics when his own alma mater <laughs> invented a class yeah, for athletes right. that did not exist, did not exist. for 13 correct. years. Right. And boy, you talk about the NCAA, that's just been, well, whatever happened to that? Under the rug. Yeah. Under the rug. Just like Robert Kraft and the Florida visit. And, and, and they're not going to let West Virginia in the ACC. Yeah, they will. Okay. They will. They, they will. have there's, there's to. no question. They have to. Yeah, like West Virginia wants to send a, a non-revenue sport to uh, Washington State. Right. right. You know, uh, in a school bus. You know? <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. Well, I mean, I, I like the idea of the Big 12 and the Pac-12 joining forces. I do, forces. too. I like that. But, again, they can't take 20 teams. So somebody would have to be left out. West Virginia, I think, would be happy to be left out if they could find Precisely. a good land, an alternative uh, landing spot. All right, one final break, and uh, back to wrap up the show. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Before we get out of here, let's check on the player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about the Pirates' Gregory Polanco, who came up with a clutch catch against the Brewers? Drive to right, and it is leaping he and caught by Polanco! Gregory Polanco went up and got it! Greg Brown and Bob Walk very excited on the Pirates radio Greg network. Brown really gets excited. He, Greg does. Look, when you call the Pirates games for as long as he has, you'll take anything you can get. Yeah, uh, that catch came. Familiar in the, with that thinking. <laughs> that catch came in the bottom of the ninth, with a game tied five five. It robbed Eduardo Escobar of a game winning walk off home run. Uh, Pirates then scored three runs in the top of the tenth to win the game eight to five. 
and Polanco drove in the go-ahead run attempt. So uh, for his efforts at the wall, because the Pirates wanted him on that wall, they needed him on that wall. Polanco, uh, Polanco, the like player, the player who delivered. Brought to you by All That's Seasons really Landscaping and Supply Yard. And I love that Mile name. 13. What's that? I love that name, Eduardo Eduardo Escobar. Escobar, who Milwaukee picked up from the Diamondbacks. And he's been really good in a very short time. He was really good with the Diamondbacks. Sure. And he was a Pirates killer with Arizona. Mm -hmm. And he's having a really good series so far in two games with Milwaukee. Had a chance to be a hero last night. Polanco said, uh, no soup for you. Was uh, Eduardo Escobar uh, a a Pirates killer in the three-game sweep prior to your vacay? Yes. No. Well, let me think about that for a second. He wasn't even a member of the Brewers, was he? No, I, I, for the Diamondbacks. Oh, that's right. They did sweep him. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. And then I guaranteed the series win. That's right. The that's, that's right. They got swept by the Diamondbacks. You on vacation and conveniently <laughs> forgot about it. That's right. Uh, one more thing before we get out of here. In case you missed it, the Lakers continue to add players after they traded everybody for Russell Westbrook. They signed four players on Monday. Yesterday they signed three more, including Carmelo Anthony, mm. the 18-year vet. ACIT kid. That's right. That's right. Uh, and you look at the Lakers roster on paper, simply going by name recognition. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Mello, Russell Westbrook. I'll even throw in Dwight Howard and Trevor Ariza. The question is, uh, haven't we seen this before yeah. uh, from the Lakers? Because we'll take you back to 2004 when they were automatically crowned NBA champs when they added Gary Payton and Carl Malone to the mm. roster that already included Shaq and Kobe. People were calling it the greatest starting lineup in NBA history, and they didn't win the title. No. They made it to the finals that year, but they got bounced by the Pistons in five games. So for everybody, and there were a lot of people, applauding the mellow signing yesterday. You know who you are. And you know who you are, Stephen A. Not that he would ever hear this, but still, just in case. Uh, let's pump the brakes on that because given what happened, you know, a good 16, 17 years ago, be cautious about crowning a, a, a Lakers championship the first week of August. Yes. Now, look, Melo still, look, he, he came in, he's the same draft class as LeBron. They're both 18-year vets. Wow. And they had talked uh, every so often throughout the years of joining up. I don't know. And I remember all the hype around the whole Carmelo and Gary Payton thing. Mm-hmm. When the Lakers picked him up. Yeah, and now it didn't help that Malone got hurt and missed like 39 games that season. That didn't help. But they were already crowned NBA champions. Like They were going to be unbeatable. And they had a good regular season, made it all the way to the finals. Pistons didn't care. Pistons beat them in five games. So That was an impressive Pistons team, yes, obviously. It was. Yes, it was. And so it's never, obviously nothing's ever guaranteed in sports. But you look at the Lakers on paper, man. Whew. Again, that's that's a Hall of Fame it's a Hall of Fame lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you compare it to the 2004 lineup, but obviously the Lakers not very happy. First of all, here's a big problem. Right, we're out of the gate as we close up, up shop here. Mm-hmm. Who's going to play defense on that team? Mm-hmm. Mello, not known mm-hmm. for his defense. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook, definitely not known mm-hmm. for his defense. Mm-hmm. LeBron, mm-hmm. not so much. Mm-hmm. Eh, he's all right. He's okay. AD, good defender. So it's going to be one of those deals where every game's going to be 130 to 129. 
But we'll see what happens. You are so wise. I, You know what? I try to be. I don't always succeed, but I try to be. You're a natural. I'm a <laughs> All right. We're done. Uh, Roger Miller and myself, we're going to yes. take, take the rest of the day off. Yeah. And uh, back crooning. With more <laughs> tomorrow with more uh, crooning and jawboning. Uh, stick around. A man is up next. Enjoy the rest of your day. Mike, see you tomorrow morning. Thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning. See you tomorrow. Good night, everybody. <laughs> WCMD.